Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Amen. Looks like, looks like spring is coming, but winter is going out kicking and screaming, isn't it? It was so pretty, that snow yesterday, my favorite kind of snow, falls on the ground, not on the roads. Amen, it was nice, good to see everybody. I want to say, man, what a weekend we had last Sunday, amen? Wasn't it fantastic when Pastor Suarez was here? By the way, we had our highest attendance on a Sunday last weekend since all this COVID mess started a couple years ago, so to God be the glory for that, amen. If you weren't here Sunday morning, Sunday night, we had 22 people were baptized in water. Amen. That's a beautiful, amen, thing that happened in that service. You know, and I told our team, we don't want to take stuff like that for granted. Some churches, man, nobody's getting baptized, nobody getting saved, nobody getting delivered. I'm glad that God is at work at Life Church. Amen. I felt so good about it, I even put a suit on today. <laughs> Somebody said, why are you wearing a suit today? I said, i got to throw a bone to all the suit and tie people every so often. Amen. To make them feel good about their preacher. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. I want to read from the New Living Translation this morning. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible. <clears throat> it says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. Don't forget that little addendum right there, that little addition and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. Amen. By the way, I'm not going to preach about this today, but I want to throw something in real quick, totally unrelated to my sermon. I know gas prices are going out of control. Prices at the grocery store are going out of control. I went yesterday, got a tank of gas, stopped at the grocery store, and then I contemplated stopping somewhere to get a part-time job on the way home. Amen. <laughs> like, good, <laughs> what in the world? But guess what I want to say about that before we, get, before we jump in? We are God's children. Don't you let fear, come on. Fear tried to get a bunch of you during COVID. Fear's going to try to get a hold of you with gas prices and grocery prices. Come on. Jehovah Jireh is our provider. Come on. God's not going to leave you. Come on, somebody. God's going to make a way. So don't hit the panic button. Don't, man, don't get freaked out. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. But guess what? I serve a God who knows exactly what's going to happen. And how many of you are glad that God has taken care of you all this time? He ain't about to give up on you yet. Matter of fact, I think somebody ought to give God a praise right now. Come on. He's a good God. Oh, yes, he is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Man, we ain't afraid of nothing because we serve a good God. Amen? Matthew 6, He will give you everything you need. All right, let's talk about it. I want to preach about kingdom builders today. Kingdom builders. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 is one of the great verses in the Bible. It's very concise, but it's powerful about how to have the favor of God's blessing on your life. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and he will give you everything else that you need. There are a lot of great translations of the Bible that give this verse, and they have some slight modifications. But almost every major version continues to have one prominent word in that verse, seek. They all keep that word seek. And that word seek means to seek for or to aim at or to strive after or to endeavor or to desire. It literally means that our desires, our focus, our aim should be to put God's kingdom first in our lives as believers and then watch his blessing unfold in our lives. I've got to seek first his kingdom, seek first his righteousness, and then the Bible says all the other necessary things will be 
added. Amen. i got to make God and his kingdom the object of supreme choice and uh, pursuit in my life. This verse says his kingdom first. Now, here's the thing. It's not really about are you and I seeking after a kingdom. The question, the real question is whose kingdom are we seeking after? Amen? See, because we're a generation of seekers. We spend all of our days seeking for things, pursuing things, finding some, still searching for others. I mean, and it starts out as when we're children, children seeking for toys and prizes and affirmation and good grades, candy, every time they get in the car, right? Every time you go to the store. By the way, there's a reason the grocery aisles have all those candy bars and M&Ms right there at checkout. You thought they were for you. It works on me too, amen? Mm-hmm. When's the last time I had a peppermint patty? When's the last time I had a Reese cup, amen? Gets me sometimes, amen? And But my grandson, if he's with me, every single time, Paul, Paul, can I have a piece of candy? We all want something, right? But then it doesn't stop. When we become teenagers, we seek popularity. We speak, seek purpose. We seek uh, possessions. We're trying to find our identity. And even as adults, it doesn't stop. We're seeking status or relationships or security or money or, or meaning to life. The list goes on and on. But see, we have to understand, and this is all normal stuff, but we stray as believers when we forget that ultimately it's not just about me. I'm talking to believers now, right? It's not just about my family. The choice is not whether you will seek, but who or whom will you seek. Because you will spend your life in pursuit of something. Amen. Someone. And we want it to be lived with the right things. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, the scripture says. And seeking first the kingdom, living our lives as kingdom builders, is really what should be at the heart's desire of every true believer. You see, one of the best ways to experience the promises and the blessings of God is to become a co-laborer with Him. To come alongside God and fulfill His will, not only for your life, but help to fulfill His purpose on the earth. Because really when you stop to think about it, it's an incredible thought to realize that God's plan is to use us. Amen. To use us, His church, to see His kingdom come to the earth. He has commissioned us to spread the gospel. He has chosen us to tell the good news, amen, of restored relationships with our Creator. He has chosen you and I to be His hands and His feet. We are kingdom builders. Kingdom builders. God's intention is not to burden us with His work that's set before us. He doesn't want you building His kingdom out of drudgery or out of duty His intention is for you to lead a better and a more fulfilling life when you partner with Christ. Because he knows that you and I will only be truly satisfied when we partner with him to see his kingdom come to the earth. Folks, you're meant for good works. You are meant to be a co-laborer with your heavenly father. And anytime you feel burdened, just cast your cares on God because he cares for you and he wants to work with you. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say you're a kingdom builder. Now, I want to talk to you about how, just a few ways we can be kingdom builders in this generation. First of all, we do it not from our own strength, but from God's anointing and power. But how do we become kingdom builders? First of all, and probably most importantly, I want to remind you, we built the kingdom through evangelism. Everybody say that word that you don't hear very much in church anymore. Evangelism. Amen. See, if you really want to make an eternal impact... The greatest thing you will ever do is bring somebody else into God's family with you. Amen? Come on, somebody. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Everyone. And you see, as a child of God, you're in the family of God, and He wants you to be a witness to the world. 
See, we're living in a generation that I believe, we hear all the negativity about this generation. Let me tell you what I believe. I believe this generation is hungry for God. I believe this generation is hungry for a true experience in the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. I believe this generation is hungry for something real. They are proving it among millennials, and uh, I can't remember what the last one is, Gen Z. I can't remember what they are. They're, they are craving, Pastor Tony talked about it last week, they are craving genuine experiences with God, genuine experiences in the Word. They don't want to just be uh, uh, entertained or, or just coddled. They want to know and feel God. Amen. And it is the will of God that our community be saved. It is the will of God that our community is reached with the gospel. It is the will of God that the church, we, the body of Christ, we are not comfortable with who we are, where we are, and with status quo Christianity. See, we enjoy so many blessings when we come to church, don't we? How many of you enjoyed that worship service today? Amen. Come on. Man, we're, we're so blessed. We, we forget how blessed we are. Amen. I remember when Robin and I first started pastoring the church. No joke. I remember seeing, and, and, and Eddie will remember because he was back there back in the day. I remember one time looking over, and Robin had Lindsay on her hip and was doing this with the keyboard. And she was our music team. Amen. Then we got blessed, and Eddie, where, where's Eddie Wilbur at? Eddie Wilbur got saved. Amen. He started playing the guitar. I don't even know if he was any good back then or not. We were just thankful to have somebody on the team. And I'm up there with a microphone. There was no praise team. It was whoever was leading worship. Man, we've come a long way. Thank God for the blessings of good worship. Amen. We're blessed with good word in this church. We hear good preaching and good teaching. Amen. Our kids are being taught upstairs right now. We got loving people in the nursery who are watching babies right now so we can enjoy church without a whole bunch of screaming and crying and squawking around. Amen. We're blessed. But you know what? I'm afraid sometimes our blessings cause us to forget that this ain't just about us. We are to be kingdom builders. We're to be soul winners. When's the last time you heard that word? I remember when I was a young man growing up in church. Man, they used to preach under conviction. It seemed like every Sunday. You need to win a soul. You better tell somebody about Jesus. You better teach a Bible study. Have you got, are there anybody going to be in heaven when you get there because of you? And I think we've lost some of that in the body of Christ. So I'm here to challenge us today. It is God's plan, hear me, for everybody to reach somebody for Jesus. And if you believe that, why don't you give God a praise? The purpose of the cross, the passion of Jesus, the mission of the early church was and still is to seek and to save the lost. And Life Church, we must become kingdom builders through evangelism and by sharing the gospel. We've got to reach the lost that are around us. We, we get comfortable in our own salvation, I think, sometimes, and we forget that we are called to bring people into the kingdom and to help them know Jesus. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you as a church today that God has called you to be a witness. God has called you to be a witness. Evangelism doesn't mean let's have more revival services. Come on, somebody. It doesn't mean let's have more events. Let's have more Christian concerts. Let's have it. It doesn't. Evangelism means about one-on-one -on -one sharing the gospel with somebody at work, with somebody at school. Come on, with your neighbors. Amen. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to be a Bible thumper. Amen. You just tell them your story. Tell them what Jesus has done you. Let your light shine. It's the will of God for us to be kingdom builders. We can't just rely on events or programs or ministries. We've got to share our story. We can't hope that people would just see our cute new digital sign and to say, oh, they got a new sign. Let me go check those people out. Amen. No, we can't. We can't hope that they're going to stumble upon our website or our Facebook page. We've got to share the gospel with the people that we know and love. Make it personal. Make it personal. Don't be afraid because you're a kingdom builder. Don't hesitate to speak or to testify or to be a witness. You are a kingdom builder. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 13, 31. He says, here's another illustration. Jesus used the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. 
planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in the branches. Jesus compared the growth of his kingdom to that of a mustard seed. The potential is unlimited. And it is God's will that his church should experience an ever-increasing harvest of souls. So I want to challenge you today to be a kingdom builder. Share your story with somebody. Share the light. Share the hope. Amen. We ought to be messengers of hope, right? We ought to be people that share the good news. And by the way, it ain't good news if nobody knows it. It's only good news if people hear it. Amen. It's God's will that his kingdom is expanded through evangelism. Everybody say evangelism. Let me tell you another way that you become a kingdom builder. We become kingdom builders through our lifestyle. Everybody say lifestyle. Hand me my water, baby. Through our lifestyle. I appreciated Pastor Tony's message last week. If you were here, he said, where are the Levites? Where are the modern-day priests? Where are the ones that are making, uh, making their lives make a difference? The Word of God commands us, all who believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, all who've been born again are now part of the kingdom. That's beautiful and that's great, but let me ask you this. After you enter the kingdom, then what? Right? What after that? We have to demonstrate or model the kingdom by walking after his commandments, by endeavoring to live a life of righteousness. Remember that passage we read? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. God wants us to be a righteous and a holy people. Amen. Our obedience to him is not out of fear, but it's born out of a passion to please him. Amen. Freedom group members, if you're going through a freedom group right now, we understand that it's not living from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but we are living out of the tree of life. Amen. We're doing stuff not because we have to, but because we want to. Amen. We're doing stuff not because we're bound, but because we're free. Amen. Doing stuff out of love, not out of legalism. See, we love one another. We, not only by commandment, but because the love of God is being shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You see, I don't want the Spirit of God to move on me in the altar or in the worship service or to feel convicted in a sermon and, and be a, 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 just a part of the kingdom of God and then go home and just live my life any old way. Come on, somebody. The true test of my life is not in my words, but it is in by the fruit that I bear. Come on, can I get an amen? Come on, somebody. Jesus declared this in Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. It's not enough just to say it. Come on, folks, we got to live it, Amen. It's not just enough to confess it. We've got to model it. Amen. We build the kingdom by seeking his will, by pursuing his spirit, by walking in the truth. Come on, by cultivating our relationship with God and then walking in the fruit that is the result of that relationship. Amen. A little boy kept falling out of the bed at night. And he kept falling out of the bed and his dad would come in and say, What's, what, why do you keep falling out of the bed? He'd put him back in bed, tuck him in, and he'd fall back out of the bed. And after about the fourth time, he said, son, he said, why do you keep falling out of the bed? He said, I guess because I'm staying too close to where I got in at. I'm just staying too close to where I got in at. So I'm falling out. You know what happens to a lot of Christians? We get in trouble down the road. Because we just stayed too close to where we got in the body of Christ at. You're staying right here and then you're falling. And we're staying right here. And we're, God's will is for us to begin a walk and a journey toward righteousness. Come on, somebody. Toward holiness. Amen. Toward producing fruit in our lives. Don't just stay in where you got in at. Grow. Have fruit. Let your lifestyle make a difference. Folks, hear me. You might not think it matters, but we can't just live and act any old way and say we're part of the kingdom of God. Come on, I need a little bit more than five people saying amen to that, right? Come on. 
The kingdom of God is not like the corporate world. It's not a social club. Amen. This ain't the moose lodge. Amen. You can't just live any old way and say you're part of the club. A disciple of the New Testament, the Bible says, wasn't just a pupil or a student. They were a follower. They were an adherent. In other words, not just hearers, but doers. Not just a recipient, but a responder. Disciples were often spoken of as imitators of their teacher. Not just being inspired by what they heard, but being an imitator of what they saw. Not just observing, but obeying. I know I'm trying to challenge some of you right now. God, I'm so thankful that you're a believer. I'm so thankful that you love Jesus. Come on up a little bit higher, amen. Come on up to where God wants you to be. We live in a day when so many in the religious world are just preaching a a cheap grace. And we've removed any type of commitment or personal sacrifice from a Christian experience. Amen. Can I just ask you a quick question going back to number one, evangelizing and reaching souls. Why would anybody want what you got if it hasn't changed you? (laughs) You mean you want me to come to church and give 10% of my money? And give my time and volunteer for a ministry and still act the way you act? If it's really so great, why hasn't it changed your life? Come on, I'm talking about your lifestyle, amen. Have you ever been to a, a community of new houses? They always have something in there called a model home. I don't know if you've ever gone and looked at a new home or if you've been fortunate enough to purchase a new home. But they have this home. It's called the model home. And when you go in a model home, guess what? They got the latest paint. You may not know this, but they have a paint of the year. There's a, there's a paint color every year. is dubbed the color of the year. Amen. I think uh, a couple years it was agreeable gray. This year, what's the name of that paint? Evergreen fog. Amen. It's green. They call it evergreen fog. It's green, folks. It's green. It's the paint of the year. But you go in the model home, they've got the paint of the year. They've got the nice cabinets. they got the best knobs. They've got the special countertops. It's staged well. It's got beautiful furniture. The curtain, everything is just immaculate. You walk in, and you know what the purpose of a model home is? To get people to say, I'd like to live in this neighborhood. It's to say, I can picture my house being like this house. And do you know what a purpose of a disciple is in the kingdom of God? To get people to look at your life and go, I think I'd like to move into that neighborhood. Amen. I think I would like my house to be like that house. I would like my marriage to be like Rodney and Davina's. I'd like my kids to be like, like Lisa and Stephen's kids. I think I, I know they ain't perfect, but I think I can make this work. A model, a disciple, your lifestyle, your faith. Your words, your actions on the job, the way you conduct yourself at school. Come on, believers. I'm trying to challenge you right now. Your lifestyle can build or tear down the kingdom of God. I want to be a kingdom builder. I want my life to matter. Strong, growing Christians of this day and age are not those who are trying to see how close to the world they can live and still be saved. And come on, I'm I'm preaching right now. I'm not trying to make it hard for you to get to heaven. I'm not trying to make this thing complicated. But we've got to understand that the opposition and the persecution that we face and that we are going to face in the future, you better have a strong commitment if you're going to make it. Amen. If you're going to make it in this generation and in the years to come, you need to have deep roots, strong convictions, a firm foundation. We build the kingdom by our lifestyles. Amen. You got to encourage outsiders to join the neighborhood based by what they see in the model. Amen. What should they see in the model of a believer? Love, joy, peace. Come on. Caring for one another. I don't care how much you can quote scripture. If you're rude and ugly and hateful, don't nobody want what you got. Amen. 
They want to see vibrant and passionate worship for their Savior. They want to see a commitment to do what we can for the less fortunate. You know what they ought to see in the model? Racial harmony in a world of prejudice. Come on, church. We ought to be leading the way. Amen. They ought to see family values in a world that is trying to redefine what families and sexuality looks like. Come on, somebody. They got to see it in the model. They got to see a love for others in a world that is full of love of self. They got to see integrity in a world full of moral laxness. Come on. We built the kingdom by being truth tellers among liars. By being hard workers among lazy people. Come on, I'm giving you some good practical stuff here today. By being faithful among people that are unfaithful. By being humble in a world that is proud. By this, by what? The model. Shall all men know that you are my disciples. And that's how you build the kingdom. We build the kingdom through personal evangelism. We build the kingdom through our lifestyle. And then the last point that I want to make, because this is our Kingdom Builders Sunday, first one ever, first time ever we've done this, our Kingdom Builders offering, but we build the kingdom through our giving. Everybody say giving. Now let me give you a little history for those of you that are new to this church. Every year for probably the last 20 years, we've received two offerings, two, two pledge campaigns a year for the purpose of building God's kingdom. Our all, one offering was our world missions offering that we received in December. We would make pledges based on uh, what we would give to missions. And 100% of those funds would go to various missions causes around the world. Another offering that we would receive was in the spring, and it was called Sacrifice Sunday. That was an offering that was meant for the kingdom of God right here in Life Church. Uh, it was a 90-day giving campaign, and it would be various ministry or capital improvement needs in our church. It, you can't, it's hard to get people inspired about giving to buy chairs, right? But we did it every year for 20 years. And thank God, the chairs that you're sitting on right now were purchased with Sacrifice Sunday dollars. 15 years ago, amen? The land that you drove on today, nine and a half acres, it was purchased by the sacrificial giving of Life Church members 15, 20 years ago, amen? The PA and the media and the lights, the new security cameras that we just put up to, for the protection of our children, the office furnishings, the computers, even the very first coat of paints in this building. Sacrifice Sunday. By the way, you may not know this. We don't like to go in debt here at church. If we want to do something, we like to pay for it. Amen? By the way, that's a good way to live your life. The only debt this church has is our mortgage, and hopefully by the grace of God in another three, four years, we'll have that thing paid off, and to God be the glory for that. Amen? But Sacrifice Sunday has provided for so many of those needs. When COVID hit and we had to immediately begin live streaming, we had nothing. We had no cameras. We had no lights. We had to buy all kinds of new equipment. Amen. Your sacrificial giving made it possible. But we must also continue to give to missions. That's giving outside of this church. And you say, well, pastor, what kind of things does this church support missions-wise? We support a, a place, a, a ministry called Reach Out. America. It's a disaster relief organization here that provides for disasters right here in America and around the world. We support MSEF. That's a local uh, pantry, food pantry and, and uh, charity organization right here made up of churches in Hanover and Hiraiko County that provides emergency food and shelter needs for people right here in our community that are in need. We support the Family Foundation, which fights for families all over the state of Virginia, our rights as parents and as, as, uh, as educators in our state of Virginia. We support the East End Pregnancy Center, which helps to stop abortions and also to help mothers with pregnancies take care of their children. Amen. Come on, to God be the glory for that. We support orphanages like the Tupelo Children's Mansion in Mississippi and Ima's Home for Children in the Philippines. Amen. We support churches and needs in Africa. Where's Pastor Isaac? Are you here? Pastor Isaac, stand up and wait. We bought their children backpacks and school supplies. We helped rebuild a, a, one of the churches after a storm. Amen. Thank God for what you're doing right here in Life Church. We support churches in India. We support foreign and domestic mission trips, Youth Life Foundation right here in Richmond. All of these things are things that will be supported by your Kingdom Builders offering. 
So here's what we're doing different. You're in on the ground floor. It's brand new. Instead of making two pledges, a 90-day pledge to Sacrifice Sunday, monthly pledges to missions, I'm going to invite you to prayerfully consider what you want to do over the course of this next year in a combined Kingdom Builders offering. Now hear me clear, this is not a high-pressure thing. I'm inviting you to be a part of this. I'm inviting you to be a part of the blessings of God on your life. You pray about it. There's pledge cards in your seat that I want you to take home, or you can fill it out today, drop it in a box. Nobody's going to call you and ask you about your offering. This is just so we can make a budget projection, hopefully based on what. So we really need your responses. It will help us to know what we can do for the missions organizations. Thank God every year we get, increase our giving and we don't cut back. But I'm just going to ask you to pray about making this a regular part of your giving. Kingdom builders. Now, if you don't want to change the way you give your offerings, that's fine too. We're just trying to make it easier for everyone to do this one time a year instead of twice a year. You can just pay it however, whenever, whatever. Now, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I'm going to ask the praise team and musicians to come. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The Apostle Paul said we are to be living sacrifices. Holy, acceptable, and reasonable. Amen. What's a sacrifice? Well, you know, the word sacrifice typically doesn't sound very warm and inviting, does it? But you know, sacrifice always has rewards. You sacrifice at the gym, you get healthier. You sacrifice for your family, you reap the results. Amen? Sacrifice carries the connotation of discomfort, but at the same time, it brings fulfillment. It brings life. You might experience short-term loss, but long-term gain. It's not just deducting, it's multiplication. And when it comes to the area of giving, when I stop to realize that everything I am, everything I have, Jesus paid it all. Amen? All to Him I owe. And when we give, hear me, did you know we are literally hardwired to benefit from generosity? Researchers have revealed that when we give generously, Parts of our midbrain are activated. The same parts that are associated with rewards, believe it or not. It releases dopamine. Some of you probably have heard of that. That's the happy chemical in our brains. We are literally wired to benefit from our generosity. And not just giving your money, but giving your time. Helping someone, serving someone in need. We give time, talent, and treasure. I just happen to be talking about treasure right now. And today, when you prayerfully consider giving over the course of this year to kingdom builders, when you pledge to a cause that is greater than yourself, let it be not just an offering, but let it be a sacrifice that pleases the Lord. Because there are great blessings that come to people who have learned what it is like to sacrifice for their family, for their community, for the church that they're a part of. Most people, we tend to believe that as our wealth increases, our generosity follows suit. But that's not really true. Mark Batterson called that kind of thinking, he called it the myth of when then. It kind of goes like this. When I have a little bit more to give, then I'll give more. But hear me, please don't miss this. Generosity is not born out of abundance. Generosity is born out of trust. Generosity does not come just because we have abundance or we have surplus. Generosity comes when I say, you know what, Lord? I trust you. Every time I give my tithe, every time I give my offering, I trust you. When I drive up to the gas tank and it's $4.50 a gallon, God, I trust you. Amen. When I go to the grocery store and everything costs more. I trust you. When I get my electric bill, God, I, I trust you. I know you're going to make a way. 
That's why I trust you. I want you to stand with me all over this house. Luke 7 tells a story. Jesus was at a dinner party. An embarrassing thing happened. The woman comes in. She was probably a prostitute in her former life before she had repented of her sins. And the Bible says she walked in with a very expensive bottle of perfume and she did something extremely unorthodox. I'm just going to read you two verses from the story. Luke 7, 37. It says, And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flax of fragrant oil. It was perfume. And she stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. This lady walked in, and without saying to anybody, she opens this bottle of perfume. And they estimate that it was about the equivalent worth of a year's wages for a laborer. And she began to pour it on the feet of Jesus. And I'm sure some of the people in the room probably knew you know, from her, her from her former life. And they're like, what is she doing? She can't afford that. What a waste. She's pouring all this expensive ointment out. She, does, she doesn't make that kind of money. She doesn't have that kind of resources. What What are you doing? And somebody might even ask her, say, why did you do that? And I'm sure in her mind, she probably thought, you know what? I know it doesn't make any sense to you. But you don't know like I know. Hallelujah. What he's done for me. Love made me do it. Love made me do it. See, not, not everything that we do makes sense to people around us. Sometimes we sacrifice just because love made me do it. I remember when I was a new Christian. I was 16, I think, 17. It was, you know, I got... One of my first substantial tax refunds. How many of you know what it's like when you get that tax check? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. When I was 16 or 17. Man, I had a car. and I, I wanted stereo equipment and amplifiers and new clothes. I mean, you name it. You know, when you're a teenager, you want it all, right? And I was getting my first substantial tax check, and I was excited about it. I can't remember how much it was, several hundred dollars. That might not sound like a lot, but this was 1982. 1982, that was a lot of money, amen? And I'll never forget, I went to church service, and I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. I'm just using this as a real-life story. And I know my story's better than anybody else. And I went to the altar, and it wasn't a service about kingdom builders. There were no pledge cards on the chair. There was no preacher saying, hey, you need to give to missions. There was none of that. And I just went to the altar, and I just heard this still, small voice of the Lord say, you need to give that tax check to your church. And we were just a real small church meeting in a, a, a storefront building. And I was like, is there anybody else up there? Is that, are you, is that you, Lord, for real? But no, I, 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 I recognized that nudge. And so when I got my tax check, man, talk about teaching trust and teaching faith. I look back now and I realize God was just putting me to the test. Man, I signed the back of that thing, put it in a little brown envelope, dropped it in the bag. And I don't want to say who it was, but later on, a person close to me, a member of my family or friends, I'll just make a big, big, big umbrella. They heard about what I'd done, and they were so angry. Why did you give that to the church? You know all they want is your money. You know, you know how those preachers are? I mean, and all I know is about a year before that, a year and a half before that incident happened, they arrested me in my school for selling drugs. <laughs> all I can tell you is I used to be strung out and drinking and partying, and now I'm serving Jesus. You may not understand why I did it, but now instead of carrying quaaludes and pot to school, I'm carrying a Thompson Chain Bible that my church gave me when I got the Holy Ghost. Amen. 
So you see, my generosity may not make sense to you. Come on, but love made me do it. Amen. Love me. And now, I am going to brag on Jesus right now. That was 40 years ago. And guess what? I've got all kinds of blessing dripping off of me. Amen. I've got all kinds of favor. Amen. I've got a wonderful marriage. I've got two beautiful children. I've got two beautiful grandkids. I'm doing what God called me to do. I'm blessed. I'm favored. God loves everybody, but he spoils me. Amen. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you, if you will serve the Lord, if you will seek God, and I'm not a prosperity preacher either, but if you will seek God and his righteousness, he will take care of you. That's why I don't, I, I mean this, I don't mean this carelessly. I don't care if gas goes to $5 a gallon. I don't want it to. Amen. Or if it goes to $6 a gallon and milk becomes $5 a gallon. Amen. Now, when gas eclipses the price of a grande Starbucks, we're going to be in trouble. Amen. <laughs> Come on. We, we'll spend $6 on a triple vente extra shot, blah, blah, blah. But you see, I know who my source is. So I'm just going to keep building the kingdom the best way I know how. I'm going to tell people about Jesus when I can. I'm going to live the best life that I can, my lifestyle. When I fall down, I'm going to get back up. Amen. When I mess up, I'm going to fess up. Amen. When I hurt somebody, I'm going to apologize. When I, when I need to love somebody, I'm going to love them. Amen. And when I get the opportunity to give of my time, my talent, and my treasure, I'm going to do it. Because I want to be a kingdom builder. I gave my life to Jesus October 20th, 1982, and I've never looked back. And I don't want him just to be Lord of part of me. I want him to be Lord of all of me. And so I'm going to open this altar right now, and we're going to begin to sing. And here's what I want to open this altar for you to do. I want to open this altar to some of you and remind you, hear me, God called you to share the gospel with somebody. Some of you right now, and this is not a guilt trip, it took me years. Some of you right now, you can't think of one name of anybody that's going to be going to heaven because you told them about Jesus. Guess what? You need to want to change that this year. Come on, somebody, you want to change that this year. You need to begin praying, God, help me to be a witness on my job. Help me to be a light in my school. Help me to witness to a family member or a friend, somebody that doesn't know you. That's, that's the first point. God, I want you to help me be a kingdom builder through my personal mansion. Some of you right now, maybe you just need to tighten up a little bit on your lifestyle. Come on, can we just get real? Maybe there's some shady areas of your life that you need to repent about. And maybe there's some stuff that you just need to say, God, I want to get closer to you. I want to be a little bit more disciplined. I want to be a little more godly. I want a little bit more fruit that's not rotten in my life. Amen. Come on, amen. I don't want to be that old rotten brown banana that everybody walks past and goes, ah, no thank you. Ain't nobody making banana bread. Throw that thing in the trash. Amen. God, help me to get my life to be more like you. And then others, when you come to the altar, I just want you to pray and say, God, I want to give. Not because I have to. Not because I'm being compelled to. Not because I feel pressured to. I want to give because love made me do it. Here's my closing scripture for you right now in the area of giving. And then we're going to come to this altar and pray as a church family. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. By the way, that's not just about money. You sow little love, you're going to get back little love. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Verse 7, and here's, here it is, each of you should give, notice, what you have decided in your heart to give, and don't do it reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Pastor, I don't want to give that kingdom builders offering. Please don't. Please don't. Amen. Save your money for $6 a gallon gas. 
but give cheerfully because you love Jesus. You want to see his kingdom advance. You want to see us help more missionaries. Amen. You want to see us do the things we need to do as a church family to reach our community. All right, I'm going to open this altar. Lisa, team, I want you to begin to sing. And if you feel like you can be a better witness, and if you feel like maybe you can have a better lifestyle with a little more fruit, or if you feel like you want to be a little more generous, then I want you to come and join me in this altar. And if you can't feel good about any of those three, I'm going to be praying for you. Amen. God, help me to be a better kingdom builder. Let's begin to sing. Let's begin to worship. Amen. Father, I thank you. I declare and decree I'm going to win somebody for you. I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. I'm going to be salt and light. God, I believe that I'm going to have more fruit in my life. I want to be a better example. I want to be a stronger Christian. I want to walk by faith and not by sight. Every time fear comes, I denounce it as a lie. I walk by faith. I speak faith. 
I am faith. I pray, God, that you would use me. I'm humbled that you would use me. Help me to build your kingdom with my time, with my talents, with my treasure. When you saved me, God, you saved all of me. And I give all of me to you again. I recommit my life to you today. I recommit my resources to you today. I recommit my family to you today. I am a child of God. And I give you praise. Let's give him a praise right now. Come on. Woo! Hallelujah! I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord God, and I praise you. I magnify you. Amen. Go out and have a great week. Make a difference. God bless you. Stay safe. I will see you next Sunday. Amen. Have a great day.